All right, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode number 34 of the Clubhouse podcast. This is actually our last episode for a while since Zach and I will have to be focusing on school and our other endeavors. Um, but nonetheless, this is going to be a very exciting episode. For everyone who's interested in law, this episode is for you. Um, but if you're new here to the Clubhouse, you're in the right place. If you want to become successful, receive free mentorship about the various industries from top-tier professionals and reach all your dreams. Here at the Clubhouse, we delve deeper into the lives of successful individuals and different career paths and how you can do the same to inspire others. Before we begin, before we introduce our special guest for today, my name is Miguel Mendoza. And I'm Zach Pena. So... Yeah, this is going to be a very, very interesting episode for today. John, he specializes specifically in tech, in technology law, intellectual property, internet law. So he's actually, he was actually a full scholarship to the National University of Singapore, one-sixth receiving from Philippines. He graduated from Yale Law School, a number one law program in the U.S., and he passed the New York Bar. So everybody, please welcome John Perez. Hi, John. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for for your time as well, for joining us. So... As always, we ask all our guests this question, and it's, what's your story? What's your journey like? You know, I'm pretty sure it wasn't easy getting into Yale Law School in the first place. I'm pretty sure, you know, you really had to grind and really study hard for that. So how was how that like? Yeah, no. Absolutely. I mean, I'll start from high school because I actually went to high school in Ateneo. OBF. And, yeah. OBF. You know, yeah. So we have so much <laughs> like Ateneo guests people, here. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to mention that because I took a sort of non-traditional path. A lot of my friends were going to Ateneo, UP after high school. And I just on a whim applied to the scholarship with the National University of Singapore. I spent one month uh, in Ateneo University, and then I got the call that I had been accepted to that program. So I didn't end up staying in Singapore longer than my four-year program, but it really opened my eyes to what else was out there, different perspectives, different people. And so I was just thinking about what my next step would be. I was talking to my family. Um, My grandfather actually did his law degree at Yale too. Mm-hmm. And I figured, like, why not give it a shot? You know, that's an exciting life, intellectually stimulating. You'll meet a lot of different people, a lot of smart people. And so I actually spent a year preparing, crafting my applications, taking the most difficult entrance exam I've ever taken. Thankfully, it all worked out. And I sort of went through the law school process. And now I am I have been a practicing attorney in New York City for, this is my sixth year, so five full years. Uh, I, went, I went around in the law a little bit. I started in banking, mergers, acquisitions, securities law, so business law. And then I did government work for one year at, um, in a, one of the US courts. And now I've found myself in the internet space where I represent Google, Spotify, Hulu, Disney, 
sort of the big players in all of the cases that they sort of have in front of them right now. So I get to be very relevant as a lawyer. I get to do interesting work and I'm sort of happy with where I've ended up. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's so good to see that you're succeeding in what you do. I remember, because if you guys don't know, to all the viewers, I'm actually second cousins with John. And I remember yeah. our Lolo would always praise him and give, you know, his speeches <laughs> that my, my grandson, he's from law, uh, from Yale, um, you know, and yeah, I've, I've looked up to him, of course, ever since. Um, I don't want to jump into questions right away, but then this just popped up in my head. And I'm actually really curious to know your side of it. Because I've been reading about Facebook a lot recently, and there's so much controversies when it comes to Mark Zuckerberg's um, yeah. intentions when it comes to Facebook. So he's even planning to change the name and to change the whole gist of his brand because he's like, people are saying he's pushing for, um, what is it like, for people to be more like self-conscious or something like that like what's 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 your take on that on sort of the evolution of facebook and tech yeah, yeah you know i think part of the reason that i want to be in tech is because i think this is really the future like when you talk Definitely. for example about facebook it's it's not just facebook you know facebook has e-commerce it has advertising it's now going to do virtual reality so they really touch basically every aspect. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, like there has to be a push and sometimes lawyers can contribute to this push of having sort of a more ethical outlook on business and a more ethical outlook on how social media influences people. Because, you know, social yeah. media had a huge impact. It has a huge impact on elections. You know, Definitely. it has a huge impact on you know, on racism, on negative beliefs. So it's nice to be able to be a part of that space and to try to construct something that is a little bit more socially conscious. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so well said. Yeah, what do you guys think about, about tech though? Like, do you think it's sort of a space for good or do you think that there are things that we should be watching out for? I'm curious about what non-lawyers think about it too. Yeah. I think tech is the future, but we just have to be aware of uh, what's going on. Like, it's very important for a lot of people to be aware of the current events that's happening around the, around the world, especially because it, it will eventually like affect each and every one of us, especially the evolution in tech. Um, and I feel like like the big players, let's say like um, Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos and all of those that are revolutionizing tech, they should also do it with good intention because it's going to affect the whole world as well. So, yeah. Well, I think for me, when it comes to tech, it's such a creative and innovative space. Like there's so much room for it to grow. There's so much space for it, for people to still explore tech. And I think that's like something that's really good and something that's really bad at the same time. It's good because you don't know, you know, what can be the next thing, like flying cars or I don't know, something crazy like that. But the downside with that is, you know, the average people, they don't know um, the hindrances that can be brought 
by tech yeah. they don't know like the problems that can happen with it um they don't know if it's like you know slowly eating their brains and like you know corrupting their minds in a way <laughs> and like some people can like even like manipulate them yeah, or control them be. with the things that they do yeah because not everyone has an abundant knowledge when it comes to tech so that's what i think about it yeah 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 you know something that i've been interested in like when you talk about success in the tech world now like it's easy to quantify success like when you're a law student or when you're trying to get a job but when you're really in the field sort of your marker of success starts to be like am i making an impact like, am I actually sort of a force for good in the world? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I navigate a little bit in my job, especially because of everything you said, you know, about yeah. how tech can be a force for good or a force for evil. Yeah. I remember I was even talking to one of my friends who's taking up law now. And then he had a paper on ethics, on whether something is ethical or not. And it's such a, it made me think so much because the problem that he mentioned to me, I think it was, um, oh, it was about like a journalist. Like, does a journalist have a right to record someone like when he has an interview or like secretly record? Like, does he have the right to record that without without his consent? But let's say mm. the stuff he's saying is like about corruption, like he mentions it. So does that guy have, does the journalist have the right to post it and show it to the public? Because if he shows it to the public and everyone's going to know, oh, he's corrupt. But at the same time, is it ethical yeah. because you didn't get his consent? What's, I, I want to yeah. know, like, what's your, what, what do you think about that? As I lawyer? mean, it's really interesting because there's always, there's always going to be a lawyer on both sides, right? There's going to be yeah. a lawyer defending that and there's going to be a lawyer sort of, sort of working against that. And again, I'm thinking about, like, what is the metric of, how good of a lawyer you are. Is the metric how terrible results? Or is the metric that you're actually upholding your moral compass and you're doing something that you think will prevent corruption? I think that that's something, especially in law, that gets really, really muddy. It's like, are we just trying to win or are we supposed to be advocates of change? And you know, when I represented banks, when I represented sort of big financial institutions, sometimes I had to grapple with that, you know, I would write a really good brief, but I would wonder like, you know, but is the bank on the right side here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, could, is the opposing party actually the one who should be winning if I were to just follow my moral compass. So I guess it's something specific to law that you don't think about a lot. It's like the moral and the ethics of representing clients and not yeah. knowing who really is in the right. Yeah. And again, so yeah, I, I guess that's a long way of saying I don't have an answer. <laughs> it's something really important. <laughs> yeah. I, I can also imagine just how like pressuring it is also to have those cases, especially when you're representing like a really big company. So like how, how was your, your first, case like for you like in the real world oh my first case uh so it's funny i think i think that my first case was when i was an intern and i was helping represent actually a a country 
So I can't say who the country was, but our firm was literally representing the government of another country because they wow. had basically released securities and then weren't bringing them back. So that was actually the scariest sort of introduction to law ever, because you would think like, maybe they'll give you a small case where it's just one person, you know, yeah. one person against another person, but no, like my first exposure was literally, we were representing an entire country. Um, so that's been, but you know, being thrown into the fire has been good because now I, I sort of talk to clients in big companies like Google, other tech companies, and it just seems like a day-to-day -day thing. And once you get used to that pressure, once you sort of get over that fear, you just keep going. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just experience and exposure and just looking for those experiences so it becomes normal to you. Love that, yeah. Was there, so did, did this type of exposure, do you think Yale played a very big part of, you know, building you <laughs> and, you know, crafting and honing your skills? Yeah, so I would say, <laughs> I think that Yale, it builds you up, but it also breaks you down. So I, I have never been around so many smart people in my life. And you sort of have to grapple when you're in a situation like that with feeling comfortable with the fact that you can't be the best at everything. And so I think it was a very humbling experience. It, mm. it sort of makes you realize like, wow, like when I was in my small pond, I was <laughs> really, really great. And I thought that I knew everything and now thrown into this ocean and I realize I know nothing. I have to be humble and I have to take things day by day. And so that's why I say build you up and break you down because you sort of your conception of yourself sort of collapses around you. But I think you become more competent as a person once you've sort of taken that pressure off and realized that you have something to offer even though everybody else does too. Yeah, and I think the fact that it breaks you down, it shows how much it can make you stronger, how much you can get better in what you do. Yeah, and it's not sort of, I don't think it's uh, just the law or just Yale, like, you know, my brother's a doctor and so many of my friends are lawyers and that sort of happens everywhere. Like when you're in a place that challenges you, it's really uncomfortable, but it inevitably ends up really great for you. Yeah. And I don't know, I'd say also personally, I like, I like staying uncomfortable because that's when I know that, you know, there's change happening and there's growth happening. Because if you're, you know, just comfortable chilling in your house, you know, it, it for me personally, it feels like oh, I, have to, I have to do something. I have to stay productive, you know, because yeah. I, really, I really think uh, I'm at an age where, you know, energy is at, at, at an all-time high, where I really want to, like, learn and take in opportunities and... I don't want to waste that time. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to grow old and gray and look back at my youth and be like, yeah, um, I wish I could have done that, but I just <laughs> put so much thought into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can promise you that you will not stop feeling that way. You will yeah. always feel that way. But don't you think sort of, I, I personally think the pandemic has a huge effect on a lot mm -hmm. of us feeling that way too. 
because we realize like, you know, opportunities sort of can be taken away from you. Things can change in an instant. And so it's made oh, yeah. a lot of things too, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. We realized also that life is actually short. Yeah, absolutely. You have to take the opportunities while you can get them. Mm -hmm. Did did the pandemic had a, did it have did it take a toll when it when it came to the tech space? Considering that you know there was a big shift to tech. Yeah, it it actually didn't. In fact, this is a weird thing, but being a tech lawyer, it just sort of it sort of shows you how important it is to be in a field that's highly relevant. When mm -hmm. the pandemic hit, tech was at a boom, basically. I had more work than I've ever had in my life, while a lot of my friends sort of were running out of work because everything else was shutting down, restaurants, you know, businesses. But, you know, the tech work kept coming. And, you know, I think we hit basically all of our financial goals at the firm. I ended up getting that's a great. lot more experience. I actually yeah. ended up in court by myself for the first time and it was over Zoom. Like my Zoom. first experience <laughs> arguing in front of a judge, Zoom. So, you know, I'm a <laughs> pandemic, <laughs> pandemic baby lawyer. I <laughs> yeah. Well, the first actually, time- it's funny, I was in the Philippines and yeah. I, I went, I had to take this Zoom court hearing from the Philippines and my internet started going out and I was oh, thinking no. oh my god I'm gonna get fired but thankfully <laughs> it worked out in the end yeah that's good Miguel and I also are like uh what do you call it I guess college babies online because we've yeah. never experienced college on campus yeah. yet <laughs> really but, never never not even a semester yeah not even a semester not even never. a day <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Well, at least we can all have, share that experience of having our first online. Online, yeah. I think it's crazy. But at the same time, um, a lot of people don't agree with Miguel and I, but we actually kind of like the the online setup because we get to do other things, like this podcast, for example. So, yeah. It's, uh, I think that it's so great. And I think that the pandemic is your opportunity, right? To yeah. really take this flexibility and run. Like I actually, with the pandemic, I don't have to commute. So mm -hmm. I'm also still trying to learn new things. Like I take night classes, like in mental health, just so that I can learn and explore other areas and sort of figure out what else is out there. And I think that's sort of something I've always taken with me. Like, I don't want to just stop learning. Like you want to just keep seeing what else is out there and that's what keeps you going really so yeah. i think that's great on your part that you actually put this together as a result of the pandemic yeah for sure and i think the pandemic also showed us that you know it's possible to have a shift from working on site to online like a lot of i know a lot of corporations saw that it's it's very doable and might even be better but i um you just mentioned that you also take up classes when it comes to mental health um is that something to keep you sort of like afloat in the law space i mean i think this is just also personal development you know 
-hmm. something that I've learned is that I, I can have a super balanced practice and know a lot about the law, but like we're also broader than just our profession. Like, you know, we want to have other experiences, you know, we want to learn other things. And so this isn't actually related to the law. I am just interested in the space. You know, I very much like to expand who I am as a human being. So I guess as I get older, I also have started doing things for growth and personal learning too and try mm -hmm. to balance that against everything that I do for my professional development so trying to be well-rounded and then I, I wonder how you guys I, I know you've talked to a lot of people and I'm wondering how much they also value being well-rounded oh yeah they go ahead Miguel yeah, no, they, yeah, all of them also mentioned that you should take care of yourself. Because actually the pandemic is really an eye-opener for all of us. That we have to really take care of our health, our mental health. And I think that it's something very important for each and every one of us, especially today. Yeah. For so sure. I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you, John, among all, like, among all the wonderful schools we have in our world, how come you chose Yale? That is a good question. I think that a lot of it was because of my grandfather. You know, I always grew up with stories about my grandfather and it was always a really inspiring story, you know, how he sort of went to Yale on a scholarship to make some money. He peeled potatoes in the Yale kitchen. And for me, it was sort of, you know, following in my grandfather's footsteps. He was huge sort of model of what you could achieve for me. And so that it holds a special place in my heart. I think the university and being there was so awesome because I felt really connected to what my grandfather had done like long before, you know, I even thought about school. Yeah, I think it's just really beautiful to also do things when it has a relationship with like a legacy or like a past generation. I think it, I think it adds more meaning or it adds more value yeah. to to what you do if like one of your peers went through it. But like this, Yeah. And yeah. you know it makes me go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was gonna you can go ahead. This is like a follow-up question. <laughs> you know, I was literally just going to say that <laughs> it sort of I look back and realize like how important it is to have role models, right? Because oh, you yeah. asked me why I chose this school and my initial thought was like, well, I saw that my grandfather could do it. So I mm -hmm. felt like I could do it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of makes me think about what else in my life I thought that I could do or I pursued because I could see someone else in front of me doing it and paving the way. Yeah. That's actually really good that you mentioned role models because oh, well, Miguel and I were into business and an important thing to have in business are mentors, people to look up to, people to guide you. Do you also have mentors in the law space? Yeah, I, so I have, I worked for a federal appeals court judge here in the United States mm -hmm. who is, you know, he basically had a career as a partner in a law firm um, he was a defender and then he sort of became a federal judge and he sort of helped direct me to this job and helped me direct 
helped direct me to the right opportunities. Mm -hmm. I also had professors, writing professors, um, legal professors who were very open about what the industry is like, who you have to know, you know, what you have to do to get ahead in law. So mm -hmm. it's always been that at every stage, like I've had to sort of find someone to explain how it works because the law is sort of a little bit difficult to navigate, especially if you're not coming from a family that's all lawyers, you know? Yeah. And you need somebody to be able to give you the information that you need to actually find opportunities. And I'm sure it's like that in business too. Yeah. And I think it's it's so great, yeah, that you have a mentor, you have someone to be able to guide you. Because I think if you do everything alone, you know, having a mentor, you get to um how do you say this? Like do things that you know are right. Like you don't have to go through, you know, experiencing if you need to fail at at something. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's really yeah. good that yeah, you, definitely. Yeah. But in terms of let's go back a bit in terms of, you know, actually applying to these big universities, big colleges. Cause um there are a lot of people in high school now that are planning to go abroad. And I think a major reason to that is because everything here is online. <laughs> but at the same <laughs> but at the same time it can be very like daunting to them. You know it can be very like fearing because these are like big universities and it's hard yeah. to apply it's hard to get in so what would be like a few would you have like a few tips yeah well to... the first tip is really to be unapologetic i think that we're trained a little bit in the philippines to sort of be humble and to not stand out so much but what i've learned is that you just need to go in and feel entitled to the space you know, you need to sort of that's have so the courage true. to say, I have something to offer, right? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Everyone I know, when I was growing up, I was in Ateneo, everybody would always think, oh, you know, that opportunity is not for me. Like, it, they would never want me. And the first hurdle is really just getting rid of that mindset because, you know, everybody has a story. And coming from a different place, like the Philippines, is such a, it's such an important thing for universities. It contributes to diversity. It's a different perspective. And you have just a different outlook on the world than you know, someone from another country. So like knowing your value and knowing what you bring to the table is super important. I mean, of course you have to do the legwork. You have to study, you have to get the right grades to fall within the range. But I think that a lot of people are held back from giving their full potential and their full effort because they don't believe that they deserve an opportunity like that. And I was there too. And I just like think that people should just believe that these spaces are meant for them. And that's that sort of takes you a lot of the way there. That's honestly very well said. That's I think that's so through how like there's this sort of stigma when it comes to Filipinos and being apologetic and not really believing in themselves and yeah that actually makes so much sense I didn't I didn't think of it that way <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's, it's good it's nice in a friendship right but in terms of sort of progressing in a career 
like how do you get mentors except to believe that you are great and that people want to mentor you, right? It's yeah. all about being first. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes like 90% of the struggle. Yeah, for sure. But when it came to you sort of applying to law in the first place, is was was law something that you wanted to do ever since, like high school? So high school already, you were already like saying, okay, I need to get I grades, I need to get A's so I can get to Yale Law or Singapore and US Law. Or it's something that was like kind of like a last minute thing also. Yeah, it, it's really funny you ask that. The answer will be no. Mm-hmm. I actually had no idea that I wanted to be a lawyer until I graduated college. And, you know, I actually majored in psychology in Singapore. I thought that I was going to become a therapist. And I sort of made a decision when I graduated that I wanted to try something else. So I did law. Um, I didn't think of Yale. I didn't think of these things until I decided I wanted to be a lawyer and then put the effort in. Did you you not think think it was too late? I mean, I took a year off. So... And that was a little stressful on my part because everyone's like, you should always go, go, go. But yeah. I just took that year to really think and to decide what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I think that many of the things I would not have predicted, like maybe I wouldn't have predicted that I'd end up here graduating from college. And when I graduated from high school, I wouldn't have predicted that I would have ended up in Singapore. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Sometimes things just happen very quickly. And sometimes planning everything is great, but you need to be flexible to whatever opportunities present themselves in the moment. Yeah. Right. And like, that's what we're trying to say also to our listeners and our viewers. Like, even if you're in college right now and you're a senior and you're still not sure what you want to do, it's completely like fine. It's okay. Because you'll eventually find what you want to do yeah. in life as well. And you have so much time. I wish that someone had told me when I was younger, like you have your entire career to decide what you want and who you want to be. And so you can take time. Like even now I'm reevaluating, like, where do I want to be? Like, what do I want to do? And I'm deep into my career. And I think like taking a break and thinking, you know, you shouldn't feel pressure just because everybody else is sort of following the path. Like you can take a break and think. And in, in these times where you take breaks, for example, this one year break that you took, what are some key things that you did that gave you a clear picture, that gave you a clear direction at what you really wanted to do? Because there are times when, even me, like I would try to get some time off and think what do I really want to do. But most of the time, it's like, it's still kind of like, I want to do a lot of things, you know? Like what, yeah. what, what helps you like, you know, go tunnel vision? No <laughs> well, what helped, what, helped me, what helped me is doing things that I realized I didn't like. During that year, I was trying jobs, I was interning, I was taking action and trying to sort of figure things out by a process of elimination. So I remember trying a little bit of marketing, I remember trying a little bit of business, a little bit of finance, and I was like, this is great, but let me try something else. And so when I say a break, like I didn't sit down and think about it. I sort of went out 
with no pressure really and just tried so many things and tried to see if they fit and a lot of the times I think it's a process of elimination you know like you Mm. will know once you find something that fits I think that's really well said because um I think one of the problems also in our generation specifically for me and Miguel is that a lot of us tend to focus on just one thing and think that if we're good at it, okay, we're going all in on this. But I think the fact that we're still so young and that we still have so much years, you know, to still grow and still to learn so much things and to take in opportunities. I think what you said is really valuable to like, you know, dip your toes in this, try this. You'll never know if you like it. What if you like it more than what you're doing now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in many ways, it's better to do it early before you make investments. Like I have friends who went through law school and now are either doing software coding or doing therapist work or yeah. running a business or going for more education. I'm like, we're all in this process of figuring out what we want. Like take the time when you're younger to do more of that. Yeah. This that process, that process, it goes on your whole life. You're always gonna constantly look for things that you actually like doing, that you love doing. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you don't want to feel chained to your profession. You want to feel like you can move and you can decide that you want something else later on. And I think that we should not add stigma to that. Like we should encourage that because people are, you know, more holistic then we give them credit for Yeah, 100%. So John, I want to I wanna ask you, like if you were, let's say, about to enter college again, would you have done the whole process like all over again? Like would you have went to Ateneo and then go to like uh, Singapore and then go to Yale? Would you have done the whole process again? You know, that's a difficult question because I think that you know, you can take a lot of different paths and reach the same result. And so, you know, sometimes I think about that, like what if I had stayed in Ateneo or what if I had, I actually took the law exam for UP too. What if I had practiced law here? And, you know, I, I think that the answer will be sort of, no, I wouldn't do it any other way because it led me here. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I could have found another path that would have led me to happiness and career success. And, you know, I just don't wanna put pressure on anybody. Cause I think that what's important is what you do your experience and what mm-hmm. you make of your experience and not necessarily which or which program, like you can make the best out of wherever you are and find joy and meaning in that. And I'm glad you guys agree. I hope you guys agree. I agree. You know, one of the things that I realized also, and I'm glad I realized this at a young age, is that life doesn't really have any formula. It doesn't really have any um, key things that you have to do um, all the time. Like, you just have to do really great in what you do. And from there, you're going to, you can also reach the same results or even better results. Because you don't really have to follow anyone. You don't really have to follow one thing. You just have to go through life and, be, um, do your best whatever you do and I think yeah like there's no formula in life at all yeah I think there's a lot of pressure right like I think young people now are being told that there's like a path that you follow to success yeah. and 
the older the, I get, the older I re yeah. the more I realize that that's not true. Right. Like you are making your experience and all you have to do is be present. And as yeah. long as you're present, you can make something valuable out of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially how the media presents it. Like, especially like with TikTok, for example, they say, oh, if you want to do this, these are the steps you have to take. You have to do this. You have to do this if you want to be successful. And then it gets so much engagement, so much views. And I really think it yeah. affects these people and, you know, it makes them follow it instead of doing their own thing. Yeah, and you need to know yourself, right? That path can't be right for everybody. And I think about my own path. I literally went to multiple countries and tried right. different paths and different things, yeah. and I'm still doing that. And yeah. that's what works for me. It's not going to yeah. work for everybody else. Right. Definitely. So yeah, I've seen that there is a very bright future for you, John. Like you've tackled pretty, like you know, a lot of aspects in your life and you're still continuing to learn and still continuing to grow Amazing. That. and that's great so what what are the next steps that you'd like to take in the future like where where do we see john like maybe in five years from now <laughs> a good question well you know i'm working at law firms a lot and a lot of what we do with law firms is we're representing companies in court or in deals. I actually want to maybe try working for a company, trying to build a company, either a small company or a startup, something in the tech space. And whether it feels fulfilling to be able to contribute to the space as a lawyer in a different way. On um, that, I also want to pursue, you know, maybe if i have time to do part-time counseling like once i get my degree maybe i'll want to sort of have a second career or a career on the side and sort of that possibility excites me that you can do more than one thing and you can be a more complex person and you can still be happy and have a meaningful career yeah, so i'll get amazing. back to you i'll get back to you though like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really think um, Elon Musk says it best on you have to do something that excites you, that excites you in the future. You have to do something that will excite you to wake that will excite you to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. And I just want to ask you a question because Miguel and I are also very interested in the tech space when it comes to business. As a tech lawyer, what what trends do you see? in the future happening with tech? Well, that's, that's a very difficult thing because tech now is really getting into the speech and politics bubble. Like mm -hmm. I think that tech is going to be incredibly political. And in yeah. the future, tech companies are going to have to grapple with whether or not they're going to take responsibility for content on their platform. So right now, they're not responsible for what the user posts on Facebook or what a user posts on a platform. And we're going to see changes there because as you said earlier in this interview, like the government and the public are starting to like shine a light on tech and expect more social responsibility. You yeah. know, but on an exciting note, I think that tech is going to be the future of everything. You know, it's really going to be the future of shopping, the future of currency, cryptocurrency, finance, um, the future of content, of music, of media. Basically, in 10 years, 
I just think that everything that we know is going to have something in the cyberspace. And yeah. we're going to have to sort of figure out our own laws and our own customs to catch up to that paradigm shift. So it's exciting to be a part of it, I think. Even if, even here in the Philippines, like a lot of laws are being passed for like related to tech already. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I I having seen things, I know that now technology will try to sort of restructure in a way to right. either avoid that law or to take advantage of an exception. It's going to be like an ever-changing atmosphere. So right. there's always uh, going to be room for like people to be creative and be flexible in the technology. Yeah. And like every every day, like there's you you'll never know. Like every like tomorrow there might be a new tech that's here. You never know because it's always evolving. It's always changing. So yeah, it's pretty. It's very interesting. Yeah, I guess I have one last question before you wrap up. Um, what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency? As you mentioned, like, do you think it's going to replace, you know, paper bills, fiat money in the future? Because you know how, <laughs> you know how, like you know, back in the old days, currency was like gold and silver, and it became like barter trading and like paper money. So do you think we're like in a time where it's slowly already going to adapt to crypto currency? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make any predictions right now, but yeah. you know. I am already seeing in my space, like a lot of the clients I speak to are talking about cryptocurrency and a lot of, you know, they're facing government pushback. They're trying to build on the blockchain. So there's definitely a push in terms of innovation to Mm -hmm. creating more cryptocurrencies, to creating the blockchain and to building that out. So I could definitely see it playing a part. I don't know if it's going to be the full it's going to completely replace currency and part of the reason is because we lack infrastructure you know a lot of countries a lot of systems cannot really support that you know and we don't really pay for anything now in cryptocurrency another thing we have to think about is you know the volatility of cryptocurrency it's sort of so many of them are popping up and that affects sort of public perception that affects investor sort of attitudes So I think that it's too early to say, but what I can say is that the blockchain is what's evolving and the blockchain is going to be the future of tech. You know, in terms of cryptocurrency, uh, TBD. We'll see. Yeah, Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Do you have anything, Miguel? I think we tackled a lot of things, yeah. Yeah, so... This has been a really, really great episode, John. I've gained so much insights and knowledge from you, especially when it comes to, you know, building yourself and growing yourself and expanding your vision on not only the world, but, you know, to your own perceptions and that you can actually do so much great things. It's just a matter of, you know, taking action. So when it comes to, I guess, law, since that's what you specialize in, or in life in general, what would be one advice to someone aspiring to take up law? So I think that the most important thing that I can say is that you need to surround yourself with people who believe that what you want is possible. 
I think that law is very difficult. It requires a lot of tenacity. It requires a lot of dedication and it requires you to be okay with failing a lot of the time. And so surrounding yourself with people who either believe in you or have done it is really key. And it doesn't have to be like a club of people who all share the same interests. For me, it was my mom. You know, my mom believed in me sort of without reservation, without hesitation. And even having that one person who sort of believes that you can accomplish, you know, something as daunting as passing the New York bar is what's going to propel you forward. So surround yourself with people who believe in you and who can help you see the path ahead is what I would say. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great advice. I always mention this in the podcast, but I can mention it again because it's, it's applicable. Um, I really believe that you are you're the 20% of the five people you spend your time with. Because if you spend, you know, if you surround yourself with people who are future oriented, driven, goal oriented people, then that would motivate you and inspire you to do better and, to, you know, to be the same, to feed off each other's energies. But if you sort of surround yourself with people who, you know, kind of take things back or like are laid back, then more or less, you're also going to have the same vibe, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so this has been, Miguel, do you have anything to say? No, it's okay. Yeah, so this has been a really good episode. Thank you so much for joining us john thank you for your time i know we had struggles when it came to setting a time because of the time difference you're in new york now right yeah it's it's sort of yeah. the end of the day here it's sort of 10 p.m but i'm really happy that you guys had me on and that you were able to make adjustments i really appreciate it. i know it's early for you there yeah, it, it was a wonderful episode i'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers are also very you know, they, they learned so much in this episode and I'm sure they're going to apply it in their lives. So in a way, we're also impacting um, some people or whoever's listening to this episode. So, John, thank you so much for your time and for your effort here at the Clubhouse. We super appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, so before we end, we always ask our guests if you'd want to, I guess, shout out a few things or maybe where people can reach out to you. In case Where they have any, can reach out to me? You, have <laughs> you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, John Rafael Perez. I'm happy to answer any questions about career or anything. So it's amazing. Right. Yeah, always yeah. open for conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and to everyone listening to the to, to this episode, um, if you guys are interested in other industries, we've had a lot of industries and uh, we have talked to a lot of top tier professionals here at the clubhouse. Um, again, we want to announce that we're in a we're going to be on a temporary break. This is going to be our last episode for now, and hopefully, you guys learned a lot throughout the past thirty-four episodes. We hopefully Zach and I were able to impact your lives, and thank you guys so much for always sticking by. Yeah. So as always, please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe down. If if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to follow our social media accounts on Instagram at the Clubhouse dot podcast. So again, I'm your co-host, Zach Pena, together with my partner, Miguel Mendoza. And hopefully you guys enjoy the clubhouse. Thank you guys so much. Thank you and see you soon.